0: to continue in the same vein that I was in last week. And if you weren't here last week, the Lord did some wonderful things in our service last Sunday. But I believe God wants to speak to us two more times along this uh, same vein of, of Scripture in this same passage. As a matter of fact, my text for today is going to be the same as it was my main text for last week. And then we'll read some other passages of Scripture throughout the message today. Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 1 through 10, I'm going to be reading from uh, the new King James Version. And i got to say this because I just noticed it and I forgot. So before I read, let me say, we have a precious, precious member who doesn't get to be here very often because she's moved to Somerset. Uh, And she is here this morning from Somerset with her daughter. And Darla, thank you for bringing her in. And we love you too, Darla. But don't we love Miss Faye Woodley around here? Give her a great big hand. Let her know how much you love her. And Bob, keep Bob in your prayers. Bob, uh, Bob needs your prayers, and we love him and miss him, so keep him in your prayers. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I'm reading from the New King James Version. The writer said, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all. Say trust. Say all. all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I want you to pay special attention to verses 9 and 10. And we're not just talking about money here, although we will talk about finances in this message today, but verse 9 says honor the Lord with your possessions. That's everything you have in your possession, your time, Talent, your treasure, everything God has given you. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Here's why. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. I also believe that that promise in verse 10 is much more than just a promise of financial blessing. I believe it is that, but I also believe it's a promise of spiritual blessing. Listen, I believe God wants us to have our barn right here overflowing with a harvest for the kingdom. Does anybody believe that? And I also believe, and you can give the Lord a hand clap of praise in just a second. I also believe that God wants us to, our vats to be overflowing with new wine, spiritual wine of the Holy Ghost. Does anybody believe that? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I'm going to preach to you today the first of a two-part sermon that I've just titled The Trust Test. And as I shared with you last week, I preached this back in 2015, and the Lord laid it on my heart. Last week to begin this once again So I've revisited it and revamped it But I'm going to preach to you this morning the trust test If you will pray with me and for me Father once again thank you for your presence The mighty anointing we feel in this place We thank you God for what you've done in the worship We thank you what you've done in the tithe and offering We're believing you to bless it and increase it So we can use it for your kingdom We thank you Lord for the reading of your word Your word is quick and powerful Sharper than any two edged sword the Bible said God we thank you for that word today I pray you to anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive your word. Anoint these lips of clay to deliver this message today not with the enticing words of men's wisdom but in the power and the demonstration of your spirit and I pray God you would remove every hindrance that would come against this service today and that for the next few moments we would be focused upon you and what thus saith the word of God to this people this body and those online today in the mighty name of Jesus we pray and everybody said amen. You may be seated. Today I want to talk to you about managing the resources that God has given to us—not just financial, but all of the resources. And last Sunday, we—I'm sorry, I did that. I went to wipe my nose, and that was me. Uh, last Sunday, wasn't the sound, guys? That was me. We answered the question: Can I trust God? And we also talked about another question, am I trustworthy? Today we're going to talk a little bit about, can God trust me? And we do this with the trust test that we're going to take today. And uh, it's a two-part sermon, I'm going to share the first half this morning, and the second half will be the first Sunday in March, because next Sunday I had already, uh, many weeks back, asked Pastor Dwight to preach uh, Uh, Next Sunday for us, so we're excited to hear the word of the Lord that he's going to deliver But I'll finish this up on Sunday, the first Sunday in March We're really going to work through this whole uh, issue of trust, if you will And how we as God's children do when we take the trust test Now we all have to be honest with ourselves uh, when we take the trust test So I want to read for you this morning an introduction to this message As an introduction, an article That I read several years ago. And I came across it again in my study this past week. And I wanted to share it with you. It's entitled, The Road of Life. The writer said this. At first, I saw God as my observer. My judge. Keeping track of the things that I did wrong. So as to know whether I merited heaven or hell when I die. He was out there sort of like a president. I recognized his picture when I saw it. But I didn't really know him personally but later on when I met Christ it seemed as though life were rather like a bike ride but it was a tandem bike and Christ was in the back and he was helping me to pedal I don't know just when it was that he suggested that we change places but life has never been the same since you see when I had control I knew the way it was rather boring but it was predictable It was always the shortest distance between two points. But when he took the lead, he knew delightful long cuts. He took me up mountains and through rocky places at breakneck speeds. And it was all I could do at times to hang on. But sometimes the beauty was just marvelous. And even though it looked sometimes like madness, he said to me, pedal. I worried and I was anxious and I asked, where are you taking me? He laughed and he didn't answer. And that's when I learned that I was going to have to trust him. I forgot my boring life and I entered into every adventure. And when I'd say, I'm scared, he'd lean back and just touch my hand. He took me to people with gifts that I needed. Gifts of healing. Listen, this is good stuff this morning. He took me to people that had gifts that I needed. Gifts of healing. Gifts of acceptance and gifts of joy. And he gave me gifts to take along on my journey and off we went again. And he would say, now, give those gifts away, they're extra baggage, they're too much weight. So I did to people we met. And I found that in giving, every time I received. The journey continued and our burden was light. I did not trust him at first to take control of my life. I thought he would wreck it. But you see, he knows bike secrets. He knows how to make those sharp corners. And how to jump clear off high rocks and do things I could never do if I were in control. And I'm learning to just shut up and pedal in some of the strangest places in life. I'm beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze on my face with my delightful partner, Jesus Christ. And when I'm not sure that I can do it anymore, he smiles and says, just pedal. Just keep pedaling. I think every one of us comes to a place where we ask a very simple question in life. Can I really trust God? Can I trust Him with my life? Can I trust Him with my future? Can I trust Him with my family? Can I trust Him with my job? Last week I shared something with you in the service. uh, And I told you how that for the past several months the Lord has really been dealing with me uh, about going full time into the ministry. And I did what I told you I was going to do last week. I scheduled an appointment and I sat down with our bank president on Monday. And, and I love him very much. He's a wonderful guy. He sat down across from me and I told him how the Lord was dealing with me and what I was going to have to do. And he said, Whoa, hold up just a minute. Give me a couple days to think about this. Like he didn't want to talk anymore. He said, I need to think about this for a couple days. And I said, Okay. And he said, I want to I'll, let's meet Wednesday. I'll meet with you on Wednesday. And I said, Okay. I'm only here till about 12 o'clock clock and then I go to the church office he said no I want to come to the church office I said okay that's different but yeah come on so he came to the church office and on Wednesday we talked and um, I shared with him he shared with me wonderful uh, they have been I cannot tell you how wonderful they have been to me for the last almost 16 years and thank God I've not burned any bridges he said I absolutely hadn't and that if I ever do get hungry I can go back somebody say praise the Lord I can go back and he'll put me right back to work If I ever do get hungry But I don't believe God's going to let me go hungry I've, David said I've never seen the righteous forsaken Or God's seed begging for bread I believe God's going to take care of every step of it But let me tell you something If you only knew how much of a leap of trust that it was. I'm not going to disclose that to you, but if you only knew, is it scary? You better believe it's scary. But just as I shared with you last week, there were only two other people in the bank. I've been there almost eight and a half, almost nine years, and in nine years, the Lord's never dealt with me about this. And for the past three months, honestly, I have struggled to say the least with this every single day of my life, every time I pray, every time I read devotion. I'm struggling with it. And the Lord dealt with me, and there were two people that came to me that said, "All right, what's going on? Something's wrong. You need to tell us. Have we done something? No, you've absolutely not done anything. Well, then tell us what it is. And I said, I just need you all to help me pray. This was several weeks ago. And I said, the Lord's really been dealing with me and it's just scary. And I just, I just need you to help me pray about it. And they said, okay. And then week before last, as I told you last week, some of you weren't here, so I'm sharing it again. One of them came and sat down in my office and said, I don't know how to tell you this, we always come to you and ask you for prayer. We always come to you and ask you for advice. But I don't know how to tell you this, but I've got something I need to share with you that the Lord's put on my heart. And I said, okay, absolutely, go ahead. And she said, I know that you preach to people for them to trust God. Now, this was before God ever spoke to me about putting this sermon series back together. And I sat there and I was like, you know, I mean, I pastor a church. I was like, well, duh, yeah. I I preach to people to trust God. Yeah, absolutely, I do. And she looked at me and she said, well, don't you trust him for yourself? I was like, whoa, that cut deep. She said, I don't mean to be offensive, but I'm just asking you a question. If you preach to people to trust God, when are you going to have to trust him yourself? And the Lord began to deal with me about that. Now listen, if we're all transparent, folks, we all have to answer the question sometime, can I really trust God with my life? Do I? really trust God with my life? Do I really trust Him with my future, with my family, with my job? For some of you, with my health. Can I really trust God with my possessions? I think that every single one of us comes to the place where we either have to cross that line of saying, yes, I absolutely do trust Him. I see some heads nodding. Or we have to take a step back behind that line, look at that line and say, I must admit, I really don't. What did the man with the lunatic son say? He said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Sometimes we need God to help our. Unbelief. And I want to say this this morning. It's at that trust test line that we will either grow spiritually by crossing over it and saying, Yes, I'm going to plunge in and trust God. Or we back away from that line and we begin to shrivel in our soul. And we never reach our full potential as a child of God. All because we were unwilling to let God take control of our life. I'm trying, uh, I believe the Lord is is. Telling us today that he is trying to give us handles and ways that we could learn to trust him more completely And I want to share with you this morning a little acrostic of the word trust And I don't usually preach like this, but uh, I asked Trevor to make this for me An acrostic of the word trust and what each letter stands for And we're going to talk about three of them this morning And then we'll finish the last two the first Sunday of March But first of all, T, take an inventory Listen, we need to be asking ourselves the bottom line question, do I really trust God? Or recognize God as your source. Are you with me this morning? We need to realize as we take inventory of our life that everything that you and I have right now came as a gift from God. Everything. That's all of us. Nobody's exempt from that. You understand God's Principles: listen, until we understand them, we're always going to hold back in our own trust toward God. One of the things the Holy Spirit spoke and said in the 8:45 a.m. service last Sunday was to release your reservations. Stop holding back. And then S: surrender everything. Say everything. What does that not include? Nothing. Thank you. Surrender everything to God. The moment that we understand the principles that God has for us, then it's just an act of surrendering to those principles. And T, test God's promises. Listen, we need to look at God's Word and test His promises. There are promises in the Word of God, and it's in testing those promises that God proves himself to us, and then all of a sudden our faith begins to build. Now, let me say this about the promises in the Word of God. God's love for you is unconditional. But the promises of God, most of them are conditional. There is a condition attached to them. What do you mean, Pastor? I already hit one of them, if we're going to talk about finances, in Malachi this morning. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. A tithe is defined as one-tenth of everything God's blessed you with. and prove, So that there may be meat in my house. That's the word. Then he says, and prove me now herewith, and see, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have enough room to receive it. But here's the kicker. You can't come to God asking God to pour out the blessing before you pay the tithe part of the condition of the promise is giving to God first and then God proves his word you meet your condition and God meets his promise are you with me this morning not talking about finances something totally different what does 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 tell us if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then say then then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. You know what one of the problems in the church world today is? We're all crying out to God for Him to hear us, but none of us want to turn from our wicked ways. Hello, somebody. We all, every man's ways is right, the Bible says, in his own eyes. We want to justify our own ways, but the psalmist said something to us when he was teaching us to take inventory. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, He said, said it better than I could he watched this he said search me oh God and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and then he said and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting you know one of the things that I learned from this passage of scripture is that sometimes there's going to be something wicked down inside of me that I don't even see myself but when I pray and when I ask God search me Lord and know my heart try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me it's just like looking at the lady that said across from me when she said that it stabbed me in the heart but it was the truth it was the absolute truth and sometimes we've got to ask God God show us where we're wrong show us where we're missing it show us where we're sinning because listen let me tell you something the church today is trying to make it with sin in the camp they're trying to grow it with sin on the pulpit I ain't gonna get much help this morning They're trying to grow it with sin teaching discipleship classes. But I want to tell you something this morning. It did not work for Achan. The sin in his tent did not work for him. It will not work for you. And it will not work for me. Our prayer needs to be, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts. There's three observations that I I see here about the psalmist's prayer of inventory. And the first one is, only God knows everything about us. Aren't you glad about that this morning? I mean, I'm glad God shows me what's wrong with me and he don't show all of you sometimes. Only God knows everything about us. In other words, the psalmist is is saying, look deep into my heart and find out everything that's down in there. Because sometimes I don't even know what's... Lying dormant down in there. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm thinking. Look deep in my heart. Search my thoughts. Help me take inventory. Secondly, only God can lead me correctly. Only God can lead me or you correctly. The psalmist recognized that our tendency sometimes is to want to follow our own ways, right? He said, don't let me lean on my own understanding. As I shared with you again last week, I'm an analytical person. I analyze everything. And sometimes I like to tell God, your idea won't work. Because the math don't work. I told you a few minutes ago, if I told you what a leap of faith it is, listen, don't get nervous. I'm not replacing it by any stretch of the imagination from this church. It is a leap of faith. But you know what God told me about it? Not to depend on my own understanding in my own math I believe God will meet and supply and provide every single need according to his riches in glory not mine our tendency is sometimes to want to follow our own ways but our tendency is also sometimes to want to follow evil ways and thirdly taking inventory and trusting God begins with me it begins with you this whole issue begins with us we have to do a personal inventory You got to look at yourself. I have to look at myself and ask, how am I doing in this area of trust? The proverb writer understood that trust began with him, the writer. He said, with all your heart, you must trust the Lord and not your own judgment. Always let him lead you and he'll clear the road for you to follow. Don't ever think that you're wise enough, but respect the Lord and stay away from evil. This will make you healthy. You may want to be healthy and you'll feel strong. Honor the Lord by giving him your money and the first part of all your crops. Then you will have, then you will have more grain and grapes than you'll ever need. Listen, That's powerful. This morning, the proverb writer said that it all starts with a personal inventory. I need to take personal responsibility to do my part. We live in a day and an age where people don't want to take responsibility for anything. But if you want to be blessed of God, you got to take responsibility to do your part. I have to take responsibility to do my part. And then you know what happens when we do? God does his part. Amen. R, recognize God as your source. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18 said, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to you by, the, by His fa- to your fathers as it is this day. Listen, we need to come to a place where we recognize God as our source. Hello, somebody. Not us. Too many of us are dependent upon ourselves. We need to recognize God as our source of life. And recognize that he knows everything. There's nothing hidden from him. He's sovereign. Listen, he knows it all. He knows it all. If you're hiding sin, he knows it. I may not know it, but He knows it and you know it. He knows it all. Colossians 1:15 and 20 talks about God being our source. Listen at this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church. Uh, Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. As I was going through the word of God this week, I realized that there are so many places, and I'm going to hit these quickly. If you're taking notes, jot them down because I'm going to hit them quickly. So many places in the Bible that God tells us without God, Things are impossible. Matthew 5 and 36 tells us we can't even change our hair or add a single hair to our head without God being the source. Matthew 6 and 27 tells us we can't add a single moment to our life without God being the source. James 4 and 14 reminds us that we can't even say with certainty what's gonna happen tomorrow without God being the source. Acts 27 and 20 tells us that we cannot save ourselves from disaster without God being our source. Listen, it's very humbling when we recognize where we are. They tell us that William Beavey, who was a naturalist and a very close friend to Teddy Roosevelt, spent many, many years with President Roosevelt. And after their meal, they would go outside and they would look up to the stars in the heaven. And and, uh, Mr. Beavey, William Beavey, would say, that is a galaxy as large as the Milky Way. It consists of 100 billion suns. It is one of 100 billion galaxies. And then Roosevelt would grin and say, Now I think we're small enough. And we realize who we are. We can now go to bed. Because God is the source. Say amen, somebody. We need to understand how small we are and how big God is. Listen, you need to stop telling your God how big your problems are. And tell your God. Your problems, how big your God is. Say amen, somebody. I'm going to hit these and I'm going to close today. You understand God's principles. The last one I'm going to do today. Three reasons why Christians don't give more to God. Now I'm talking not just about finances again. I'm talking about your time, your talent, and your treasure. Number one is they don't think that they can give and still meet all their own needs. That's the number one reason. See, most of the time when we start talking about resources and finances, these people are the ones that say, well, I'm not sure that I can give and still take care of my family. Or I can give and still meet the budget. Or I I don't think I can give and meet all of my own needs and my own bills. And so they're alarmed and they're scared and they're worried. But let me tell you something. You're having that struggle because you're still not meeting part A of the condition of the promise. See, you just think you can't. Listen... If I sit down with y'all, some of y'all would think I done lost my mind with what I'm going to do come March 31st. But I'm not telling my God how big of a problem or how, how big of a situation that is. I'm telling my situation how big God is. I wouldn't be doing it, trust me, if I didn't hear from God. Now listen, I've heard from people for years that I needed to be full time. But... Until they was contributing to my checkbook. Say hello, somebody. I didn't say say amen. Say hello. Then they couldn't make that decision for me. But listen, if you're having that struggle, it's because you've not met the first part, which is the condition for the promise. Meet the condition first and then watch God do his promise. Number two, some people don't know how to give. It's point blank. Don't know how to give. Anybody know anybody that's uh, always a taker and not a giver? Some people just don't know how to give. We need to learn how to give. And then thirdly, some people don't plan to give. They just don't plan to. Because they lack planning, they're always in an emergency. And always having a financial emergency. I mean, I've known people like that. Every time you talk to them, they're having a financial emergency. They're like the people that every time you talk to them, they're sick. And if the doctor can't diagnose them, they're on Google trying to figure out what's going on. But if you're that kind of person that you're always in a state of emergency, financially, let me encourage you to read a book by Dave Ramsey. Now listen, Dave is not necessarily my favorite speaker. He's sometimes arrogant and and, uh, all of that, but sarcastic. But he did write a book called The Total Money Makeover, and I do promise you that'll be a great help to many of you if that's that's the situation you find yourself in. A couple stewardship principles that make a difference, and I'm going to close today. First of all is the who's in charge principle. There's four of these principles. Psalm 24 and 1 simply says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Here's the deal, folks. God is the owner. We're just the manager. God's the owner of everything. We're just the manager. Number two, the give and grow principle. Because practicing stewardship produces growth. In his book, he titled Stewardship, an author by the name of Luke Timothy Johnson made this statement, and I think it's profound. He said, some say dedicate the heart and the money will follow. But our Lord put it the other way around. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is dedicated, your heart will be dedicated. If it is not, it simply will not. It is as simple as that. There are several ways that practicing Good stewardship enables us to grow. First of all, we discover our spiritual gifts. It increases our faith. We become more spiritually sensitive. We become fruitful for God's kingdom. We've been talking about these things in my, in my Wednesday night class. We receive a blessing from God. And we're a blessing to others. And we make a lasting contribution. Number three, the do it now principle. Stewardship, listen to me. Time, talent, and treasure. Understand this. Stewardship deals with your present resources. What you have right now. Not what you're waiting to receive. What you have right now. Samuel Johnson said, The person who waits to do a great deal of good at once will never do anything. And then for those of you who are procrastinators, If, you can't, if you're a procrastinator, don't say amen. Say oh me. Oh, I hear it. Man, they're heavy on the left hand side today. But for all you procrastinators out there, Here's a funny poem I read recently. Here's what it says. Procrastination is my greatest sin it brings me endless sorrow I'm going to stop doing it perhaps I'll start tomorrow (laughs) but here I have a serious question this morning I know that's funny and I'm about done how long are you gonna wait before you find out what your spiritual gift is or gifts how long are you gonna wait before you use them for the advancement of the kingdom of God How long are you going to wait with all those resources that God has given you, your time, your talent, and your treasure, but your time and your talent as well? How long are you going to wait with all those resources that God has given you before you start doing something about it right now and using them for the kingdom? See, there's a tendency for us to say, sometime later, I think I'm going to, I'll find out what my spiritual gift is. You know, down the road, I'll start using it. I'm just going to sit back uh, and and just enjoy things right now. But I want to ask you, what are we doing with these gifts right now? Everybody that is a believer has spiritual giftings. You may not realize that. Every believer has spiritual giftings. It's what we do with our present resources that God is concerned about. And that's one of the, the many reasons I emphasize finding out what your uh, spiritual giftings are. So today, if you're part of the text message system at 1 o'clock today, it's already scheduled. There's going to be a text sent out with a link for you to privately take an online spiritual gifts inventory assessment of your life and it's going to reveal to you where you score the highest, where your spiritual gifts are. It's just a 35 question survey and it's going to reveal to you where your spiritual gifts are and then when you look at those results to the left there's going to be two blue links and one of them is going to say the definition of whatever that gifting is and then the other one's going to be the uses. You can click on those and find out how you can use them. This is not specific to Freedom Point Church. It's just a ministry tool. It's generic to the kingdom of God but it's going to tell you how you can use those giftings for the Lord. Because now listen, I want to tell you something today as they they come to the music. I can't imagine Christians who just sit in pews on Sundays and somehow think that they deserve a purple heart for showing up. Now I know I'm not going to get some help with that. And listen, don't misunderstand me. I thank God that you're here. But if I didn't tell you That this is just worship. This is not your service to God. I would be failing you as a pastor. We don't deserve anything just because we come to worship Him. Worshiping Him is what we were created to do. But our service to the kingdom of God involves us doing for the kingdom. I heard a comment a few years ago actually that stirred me. Here's what it said. It said, some of today's largest churches, listen to this, are a mile wide, but only an inch deep. Think about that. Some of today's largest churches are a mile wide and only an inch deep. So what are your gifts? What are you doing with them? How are you going to use them for the kingdom? Listen, folks, there's going to come a day that we're going to be held accountable for those things. The Bible said some of us are going to stand before God and we're going to have gold and silver and precious stones. But it also says some of us are going to have wood, hay, and stubble. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before God with nothing except the ingredients for a good bonfire. Right? I want to stand before God with the work that I've done for Him. Not that there was anything in me, but that I gave myself to Him. That's good preaching, Pastor Sean. It's good preaching right there. So if you'll stand with me all over the room today. I love the story about the rich guy who was on this prosperity gospel kick. He went from town to town talking about how he once had $20 in his pocket. When the offering plate came by, he put all 20 in. Then he became a millionaire. Boy, people love this story. He'd go everywhere and people would just clap. And he'd encourage them to clap and praise the Lord. And he'd do the same thing. One night, he was in Toledo, Ohio, and he shared this story, and everybody was clapping. One lady in the congregation raised her hand, and he looked at her, and he said, Yes, ma'am. Do you have a question? She said, Yes. Now, let me make sure I understand. You only had $20. He said, Yes, ma'am. She said, You gave all 20 to, to God. He said, Yes, ma'am. She said, And he made you rich and famous. He said, Yes, ma'am. That's exactly the way it works. She said, Now you're a multimillionaire? He said, yes, ma'am. That's exactly right. She said, I just got one question for you, brother. He said, what's that? She said, why wasn't you smart enough to give it all away the second time? Right? Listen, it's easy for us to preach that to people when money's flowing and everything's good. It's easy for us to preach how the widow gave her everything she had. Right? I don't come to you that way. I come to you today standing before you and before God. nothing but pure faith and I'm telling you it's time that you give yourself away to God it's time that you yield yourself and surrender yourself for God's service this morning as a matter of fact if you don't care Nicholas cue that song up I feel that in my spirit this morning it's time that we surrender everything and give it back to God because it's in our surrender that we will find the blessings of God I want to share One last thing with you this morning. And I'm going to close. Calvin Coolidge said. No enterprise can exist for itself alone. It ministers to some great need. It performs some great service. Not for itself. But for others. Or failing therein it ceases to be profitable. And it ceases to exist. Douglas Lawson. Who was a well known fundraising consultant to such organizations as the Smithsonian Institute said this he said we exist temporarily through what we take but we live forever through what we give one of the things that excites me about our church is that we have a vision that's beyond this local church it's bigger, much bigger than what you see today, I don't ever want us to have a church for ourselves where we sit on these seats and stare at each other until Jesus comes, that's not what this is about And I want to tell you something this morning. I believe we're only going to keep growing. I do believe that. In our own spiritual lives, but also to reach this community and work the harvest that God wants to send to us. You know why? Because the vision is not about us. It's all about Him and them. Did you hear me? It's all about Him and them. Now you clapped for that. But here, I got got some news for you this morning. It is our responsibility to tell them about Him. That's what God has called us to do. The vision's not about us. It's about Him and them. So this morning, of course, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ when they sing, I want you to come this morning. We're going to pray with you. I'd love to see somebody give their heart, totally surrender, give their heart and soul to Jesus today. But also, I want to challenge you. Part of being spiritually healthy is evaluating your own, this is individual, your own trust in God. And whether or not God can really trust you. And if you find that maybe in the past He's not been able to, you can fix that today. And I also want to invite those of you that feel like you need to fully, completely trust Him with something in your life. I want to invite you to come this morning if you call freedom point home i want to ask you invite you to join me around these altars today if you say pastor i'm willing to put the kingdom first i preached an entire year on that i'm willing to pray the kingdom of god forward i preached an entire year on that and i'm willing to let go and let god by trusting him i believe that's the theme for this year for us to trust god and test his promises